0: Welcome to Look for the Light, a weekly recap and discussion show that will dive into each episode of HBO's television adaptation of the beloved video game series, The Last of Us, and explore the ways in which it expands upon the story of Joel and Ellie. I'm Hayden, and this week, I'm joined for the first time on the podcast by my dad, Paul Kutris. Dad, how are you doing? It's so cool to have you on the podcast. Hey, hey, yeah, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about some Last of Us. Um, By the time we're recording this episode, actually, I've already seen the finale. You've already also seen the finale. So we're going to just focus the conversation on episode eight, but yeah, doing pretty good. Um, long work week. I got one day off in between my next set of shifts. So I'm a little tired, but we survive, endure and survive.
1: Yeah. And you said you've been doing some, uh, some extra podcasts as well. So you're a little busier with that as well. So it's, uh, it's it's going to keep things interesting.
0: Yeah. We've done a couple episodes and so I'm I'm a little tired. We're a little late to episode eight, but it's a great episode anyways. And so there's a lot to talk about. Um before we get into it this episode is going to be called uh, or this episode's called When We Are in Need directed by Ali Abbasi, but dad you've seen my epi- my obsession with Last of Us firsthand throughout my entire life you know from me getting obsessed with watching zombie movies with you that was kind of always our thing and I've mentioned that on this podcast before is that you and I just have always loved zombie movies um from you know Romero to Raimi uh, we loved it all and then for with Last of Us you you guys ended up buying me the disc for my PlayStation 3 at 13 years old and it started a lifelong obsession that has now continued into this podcast and my love for the show and my love for the for the next game so how did you feel like watching this story come to life on the tv after spending so long you know you've played it and hearing me never shut up about it
1: well, it was pretty cool because like you said, like you got the video game and of course, all we had at that point, I didn't play it. I just, I'd watched you. I'd come in and you'd see you play it for a little bit and see little clips of it. and You tell me about the story and, and whatnot. So it was pretty cool to see that evolve. And then actually it was probably about maybe about a year ago, a year and a half ago that I actually played the games myself. Um, and that was a whole other experience so at that point i got really invested myself really really liked it and at that point you know i got really excited when i heard there was a tv show coming out but at the same time you know i got a little nervous because you always when you you have something you really love and then they say they're going to make something a movie or a tv show you get a little nervous inside no matter who's involved with the project because you're like what if what if it's like one of those failed attempts you know it's just miserable because you have this idea and you know how good it can be and then they come up with something that that doesn't really reach the pinnacle of what that was. So I was a little nervous, but uh, it's uh, they, they did a good job. I'm pretty excited with what's going on.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, there was an initial attempt to bring The Last of Us to big screens and make it a movie. Uh, Sam Raimi was involved. And from the second I saw that announcement, I was like, absolutely not. I love Sam Raimi. Big fan. I know you're a huge fan. Um, but he's just not the guy for this project at all. And to try and make Last of Us a movie um, is not possible, in my opinion. There's so much character nuance and little things about the last of us that just wouldn't work in a, in a two-hour movie but from the second that the show was announced and it was announced craig Mason's doing it the guy who did chernobyl um and then neil Druckmann was writing it i was like oh there's no way they messed this up with the guy who wrote the games writing the story and such a talented director in charge of it i knew it was going to be great so before we talk about episode eight how have you enjoyed the season so far leading up to it
1: it's it's been really good. I was I was actually really really impressed. As soon as you get into the first episode, you realize it's in good hands. That they took the right direction with it, and I, I totally agree with what you said. with With the movies, there's just some things that there's a certain amount of depth and detail, and they they really can't hack and slash it and cut it up. And I don't think this would fit into a movie. It wouldn't even fit into two or three movies. I think it, the way they did it with a TV show is is the perfect medium for it. Yeah. And you know, it's TV is different now. It's a it's a whole it's a whole new monster compared to what it was even, you know, five, 10 years ago, it's been evolving. And now it's at the point where they're just dumping tons of money into stuff. And, you know, we're seeing some great TV because of it and great stories.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's HBO, you know, like the HBO effect is, is huge. And I think people can't undermine them. They can't dismiss them from the conversation because some of the best shows that come out, whether, you know, they, they stick the landing, Game of Thrones is a good example of HBO, not so much sticking the landing, but I think, TV is a completely different beast and really is how a lot of people consume their stories and their content these days. Like movies are obviously my thing, um, but a lot of people that I know prefer to watch TV and prefer to get invested in a, in a each week kind of storytelling. Are you more of a TV or movie guy? I think the amount of shows that you recommend to me, you're more of a TV guy.
1: I'm definitely more of a TV guy. I, you know, I still love movies and there's some, some great stuff out there. And certain, certain times you're just really in a mood for a movie. That's, that's what you want. Um, but over time, I've I've gradually been sucked into the TV realm, and it's you know for for years ever since I saw I think it was Babylon five years ago. They kind of what 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 I labeled that was is they just they made this big movie, and then they just chopped it up into TV episodes. Right. And that's what I wanted to see. And over time, that's kind of what's happened. It wasn't just, you know, episode to episode with a light link or no link between them. Now it's one big story and it's just weekly. And that's what I wanted. Now they're putting the money into it. So I, I love TV because it tells a deeper story, in my opinion. You know, I, that's, it's, my, it's my jam. I like TV.
0: Yeah. Spending that much time with somebody rather than with a movie. You get a lot of time with them, but it's usually two and a half hours. Then you're out. TV, it's, it's weekly or it's every night you're binging it. It's a, it's a longer commitment and you grow with those characters a lot more. Um, yeah, exactly. So I feel like with this last of us, TV show adaptation, uh, have you seen Chernobyl? Did you watch Craig Mason's previous show?
1: I didn't. Uh, I know it was really good. I know it got a lot of good reviews. And I think you even mentioned that it was really, really well done and it was, it was on my list and I just never got around to it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. It's pretty impressive, especially after now that you've, you know, wrapped up with the last of us, I think it's worth a watch for, for you and mom. Cause it's just, it's a great show. It's four episodes and then you're, you're done and it shows what he's capable of as a director. I knew the last of us was in good hands when, when I saw him in, involved with it. Um, so yeah, let's get into episode eight a little bit titled when we are in need. Um, this is a story arc from the last of us that I was really excited to see brought to, to television because it's arguably the darkest hour of the first game, right? So much of that is Joel and Ellie bonding, or yes, there's a lot of tragedy and a lot of death that you experienced throughout the last of us, but none of it is this bleak and grim as the David character. So I've spent the last few episodes of this podcast wondering how they were going to pull David off in such a short time, or how are they going to effectively make us scared of him and, half an episode or in an episode what did you think of the execution of of david as a character in that particular plot line from the game
1: i think it was really well done um i I like the approach they took of of making him really the the nice guy and trust me and i think you know they took a lot of that from the game as well but the way they, they did that uh you kind of knew something was up or you thought something was up but you couldn't really prove it and you were Kind of waiting and, and nothing happened, he just seemed like the good guy you know i was I was a teacher and all this kind of stuff and uh you know then then stuff happens and the way that they did that, it was kind of like they dropped the hammer and you realize that there was a there was a whole world of hurt coming
0: right <laughs> yeah he's he's pretty effectively creepy throughout this episode, and from the second that you see this episode opens on on him, not Joel and Ellie, and I think from the second this episode opens on. A different character your brain is immediately like "Uh uh-oh what are we doing with this weird you know christian almost cult leader um and i immediately got bad vibes from him i think uh the way that they go about handling this particular story is really interesting in the show because they add that detail that you had mentioned about him being a teacher that's not in the games if i remember correctly i think that makes him all the more freakier do you think that that's a, a, a creepy addition to add that especially knowing where this episode plays out and how things go
1: yeah, I think I think they did that intentionally to, to kind of put the vibe out there that he's this, this good natured guy and to trust him and uh, you know that he's this nurturing person and this leader and uh, you know obviously that's that's not the case and I think when that when that comes out you can you re- you get to really see who he is and who he is, is 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 terrifying and the way they did it was really well done.
0: Yeah, he talks a lot about in the episode just like um, he he sets up these seeds about. I, I like power. You know, there's moments where he comes across as this nice guy and a good leader. And then there's little moments where he kind of snaps and you can tell that he's really just this power hungry kind of evil narcissist. And I think that that's a very interesting choice to add to his character. Um, essentially, this, you know, picks up with Ellie having mended Joel's wounds or at least the best she can in the previous episode. So she's out trying to get some supplies, get some food for them to, to eat. And this is when she runs into David Uh, and his right-hand man, James, played by uh, Troy Baker, who plays Joel in this episode, which is fun to see, and I'll mention him a little bit more down the episode, but it's later revealed in this episode that essentially what David's plan here is, and I'm just kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but he wants Ellie to be essentially like his wife, his partner who does whatever he wants. He really wants to... He recognizes her ferocity, and he really wants to break her down and make her like a tool for him, and I think that's an addition that makes him... So much scarier. There's parts of that. There's little subtle things laid out like that in the game. But I think having him be this kind of power-hungry, almost cult leader, is a really interesting change. And him being this religious preacher is new to uh, to his character in the show. What did you think of the, the cult leader kind of things that they add on to his character? Do you think it makes him a little scarier?
1: Yeah, I, I like it. I like what they did with it. And, you know, the way that they have it is in in this world when things have just gone to total crap to have everybody follow him blindly um i think that's rare i think you, you have to have like you know you can have strong leadership but i don't think that's really the norm i think you have to have a certain amount of power so for everybody to follow him blindly the way they do i don't you know i think a lot of people didn't buy right into the preacher thing i think it was it was good because it kind of threw an extra layer into it and some more depth but i think right from the beginning you can anticipate that there's some there's something else there um, this this power and this ferocity and it's exactly like you said that's that's what he saw in Ellie and that's what he respects and everybody else were just followers and he's looking for somebody more like himself
0: yeah and it does say a lot about his character that he recognizes that in Ellie and yet his whole plan is to essentially strip her of all of that so that he can have power and control over her it's almost like I respect your ferocity and I wish that I could consume it you know like he doesn't really want Ellie to be Ellie He wants Ellie to be this kind of puppet, almost pawn for him, and I think that it does make him a lot creepier, especially, like you said, having all these people essentially blindly follow him. He talks a lot about, these people trust me, they'll follow me anywhere I go. He asks James at one point in the episode, do you trust me? He he pins them into corners where, if they were to say otherwise, they'd be betraying his leadership, but he almost knows they don't really trust him. And I, I think that that's really interesting, is he's taking advantage of the, this blind faith, this blind trust that people have, and he's well aware of the fact that he's not really worthy of it, and yet they all still give it to him anyways. So, in the game, this is something that when I visited your house recently, I was talking to you a little bit about. Ellie and David spend a lot more time together. They are almost becoming friends due to surviving so much infected. There's some very big action sequences where you have to shoot a bunch of infected with them, and so you spend a lot of time with david in the in the game just kind of talking with him and shooting zombies and you know maneuvering around different areas and trying to escape things and so the wall gets broken down a little bit more but here in the show they cut that idea almost entirely where they have they have one brief chat where they're on the same page but then it shifts pretty quickly when david reveals that they're hunting down this man who has a girl with him and so you immediately almost understand why he's after ellie um, did you feel that that was a missed opportunity, cutting out that friendship? Or do you think it, it works for this version of him in the show?
1: I think they made it work. I think if they'd left it in, it would have it would have been better. Um, but it's all a matter of what they have for budget and timing and whatnot. And I understand there's going to be some things that are cut out. Uh, I think, you know, if they if they put that in and built it up, it would have felt more like a betrayal at the end. It would have really emphasized what happened with Ellie.
0: Yeah. I do agree that, you know, the way that they just... The betrayal aspect of the game is, I think, what makes it hurt so much. Because Ellie doesn't necessarily like David or even really trust David. But you do spend so much time with him that she doesn't feel she needs to be scared of David. Um, So it's not that she's viewing him as a friend or anything like that. But I don't think she expects where their relationship ends up going in the game. Here, she's pretty immediately cognizant of the fact that this is not going to be headed in a great direction. I think it actually makes sense for the differences in the Ellie's. You know, Ellie in the game... Um, is is a different character than Bella Ramsey's Ellie, and Bella Ramsey's Ellie has she just has no reason to want to trust this guy. She she wants Joel, and she wants Joel to be safe, and that's all she's looking for. So I do agree with you that they they pull it off and they make it work, despite the fact that for me the the time you spend with David and the way he kind of chips away at your expectations of who he is before you find out he's actually worse than what you were expecting is is why he's so scary in the game, but. I do think they make it work, and they make him still pretty effectively scary without that friendship or the trust or whatever that you would call it. So a lot of interesting details about them being cannibals, which I guess is something that I haven't even mentioned yet. Um, David leads this group of people, and they have started to get hungry. Something that's really interesting is the way that, and this is a little parallel that I noticed, Tommy's community in Jackson is also being hit with really bad weather. They're also struggling with how this world is affecting them and how the weather of this world is affecting them. And yet Jackson is this thriving community of of people with great leadership, with with food, with everything that you need for an accurate, uh, for, for like a healthy way to live. Um, David is a very interesting juxtaposition to that where he's set up in the same way where he has this community, he has this, you know, what used to be a resort. And if I was scouting in the apocalypse i would think this former resort would be a good idea but you realize pretty quickly that the place that he's set up his group in uh is it's not a good spot at all there's not a lot of wildlife around them for them to eat it's extremely cold constant snowy harsh conditions and i guess i'm kind of rambling but i do find it just so interesting how we get two very similar groups who could not be more different in in a way um did you, I guess, knowing David being a cannibal in the game, you were aware, but watching this episode from like a blind perspective, could you tell throughout that the, the little hints about what he was actually doing with people and what was going on there?
1: Yeah, I, I, I saw it. And I mean, obviously, you know, knowing from the game, it's, it's not a surprise for somebody coming in, watching the TV show, not having to play the games. It, it's different, but you know, I, it's like I said before, I think, I think everybody has seen that side of him to you know he hides it well, but to live among them that long, there's going to be slips. People like people are going to respect him to a certain degree, but I think they know there's a lot of traps, and I think they've seen the wrath of, of him uh, prior to this, and I think they just keep it to themselves and just try and play nice. So you know, to for him, you know, is it is it really that he has to go the route? Could he try harder to go find animals and other stuff, or is it another power play? Is he is he doing this and? Is it because he likes it? Would he, would he rather be the cannibal? Does it fit into who he is internally?
0: Yeah, good point. And I think that it, it it's pretty clear that the food's actually not that hard to find, given that Ellie goes outside and immediately finds a deer. You know, like, it's not that they're not out there. It's just it's a lot easier to, to shoot someone point blank and, and eat off of them for a while. Um, pretty disgusting. But I, I found it really interesting on a, on a rewatch of this episode. Because I was like, all right, I'm talking about this episode a little late, so I'm going to revisit parts of this episode. And there's a lot of clear tells about what he's doing with people throughout this episode, such as the little girl at the beginning when you first meet David. There's this little girl crying about her dead dad, right? And he slaps her. That's immediately a sign where you realize, oh, this guy is not the nurturing elementary school teacher he, he implies he is. He's quite violent. He has quite a mean streak. And he, and he slaps this girl, and then he makes a comment about, Uh, we can't, we can't get, can't dig the ground. We need to wait until spring for us to be able to bury your dad. They're not going to ever bury the dad. That dad is, is somewhere in a meat locker being picked away. And that's something, an an interesting detail I found is like, if you wanted to bury someone in the winter, you could do it. But David's making up this excuse about, well, we have to wait for spring. There's nothing left to bury by spring. You know, that's going to be, that's going to be bone. So I just think it's very. There's some very interesting tells about his cannibalistic ways, and for me, and for you, as as players of the game, we kind of know. But for people who are experiencing the show for the first time, I think the clearest tell is when that guy brings the cook the meat, and the cook goes, "What is it?" And the guy goes, "Venison." I'm like, "That's absolutely not venison. There's no way that, that that's what they're eating." And so I just found it uh very interesting that you can kind of tell, anyways, even if. You know, we know what we're looking for, but I think fans of the show are, are still able to deduce that he's doing something weird here.
1: Yeah. And, you know, amongst the community, it's, I don't think that they're, they're oblivious. I think, you know, I think everybody knows and it, they might make it seem like they don't, but it's not a one man show. There's no way he's doing this all by himself. Right. You know, he's going to have to have a group. And I think, you know, it, it's not a massive, massive community that he has. Uh, I, I think they know and I think they're just, they're afraid to say anything because they're terrified of them.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I think that like the, you know, maybe the mothers and the kids might not be totally aware, but just watching this episode, you can see the way David is exchanging looks to some of, some of the, the men that he works with in the community, especially James, the, the Troy Baker character. He's well aware of, of what's happening here and he's just turning a blind eye. Um, and I had mentioned Troy Baker. So let, I guess it's time to talk about him a little bit. He is the voice actor who played Joel in the game. And he plays David's right-hand man, James. Did you notice right away from his voice that that you recognized him, or did you did you not pick up on that while watching it?
1: I I totally missed it, like completely. It was actually after I watched the episode. It was it was afterwards when you came to visit and we were talking about it that you said that he was in the episode, and I went, "Oh man!" And I, I'm gonna have to go back and check it out because I totally missed it.
0: Yeah, it's you know Troy Baker is one of those voice actors who's known to have so many different personas. Like he plays uh the Joker in in some of the Arkham games, I believe it is. I know Mark Hamill also plays the Joker, but I, I I can't remember, but I know Troy Baker has played the Joker before. And so he's a he's a chameleon. He's capable of doing so many different things. And on uh you know, we actually already recorded episode nine of Look for the Lights to wrap up the season. And I pointed out I made the observation that Ashley Johnson sounds like Ellie. Like the second you hear Ashley Johnson speak, that is Ellie. Whereas Troy Baker he's this chameleon and he does so many different personalities and voices that it's, it's kind of hard to pick up on immediately but i i heard him speak and i was like it's joel i can tell it's joel right away so um it's kind of interesting too that we see him get wildly and brutally killed by ellie so ellie killing the person who originated the role of joel i was like oh my god it's a lot of inception going on here
1: Yeah. And you know what? It was probably a blast for Neil Druckmann to to see that going on. He probably thought it was pretty funny.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. And Troy Baker talks a little bit about it too. And he says, or he had said something along the lines of just like, I didn't ever expect to get the call at all. You know, like I, I didn't think that they'd ever involve me in the TV show for the last of us. I don't look anything like Joel. So I knew I wasn't going to get that part. Um, so he's like, I just was happy to be here. And he said, I didn't expect to ever really end up on the last of us TV show. He's like, so to have Ellie kill me by Chopping into my throat with a machete was was pretty fun <laughs> there's a picture of him leaned against the wall where he's like clearly very excited to be on the set and he's just bleeding out and he's having the time of his life
1: yeah and it's, it's probably a great experience for them i mean i think that's definitely the right uh, road for them to say okay you know these guys made the game they, they made history with this with us and let's find a place in the show for them i think that's the right way to go you know to to, to give them that respect
0: yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's a small role, but it is an impactful role. And it, I, I think the impact of this, the James character for me, he's not like a, a big character, but the one thing I thought was most interesting is he does show a little bit of that blind faith. He gets into this idea of like, in this world, how far are you willing to turn a blind eye to, to stay alive? He essentially, like there's this big scene where he's talking to, uh, to David and David is talking to him a little bit about, do you trust me? He, he doesn't seem like he trusts him. And he mentions, yeah, I trust you. It's just people are getting scared. You can tell he doesn't really trust him. He's just scared to say, I don't trust you. Cause what happens in that situation? Um, so this episode, much like episode seven puts Ellie in the spotlight. That's not to say we don't get some iconic Joel moments sprinkled in here. His, you know, very famous torture scene from the game where, stabs the dude in the leg and tries to get the guy to make their positions on the map line up with each other's words and then Joel just says I trust him and then he just shoots the other guy in the head iconic Joel moment for me one of my favorite moments I thought Pedro acted that scene out perfectly but Bella Ramsey is channeling a lot of her Game of Thrones past in this episode what did you think every time I talk about The Last of Us I end up going what did you think of Bella Ramsey because I'm constantly so impressed by her but I haven't got to ask you. So, what did you think of Bella Ramsey's performance here? Especially because she, she really is so feral in this episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think she's she's proven that she can really do the cold, aloof, and um, you know, uncaring or seemingly uncaring person very well. And that plays perfectly in, into Ellie. I mean, she's able to—you know—she pulled it off in Game of Thrones, and and she's able to take some of that and put it into a brand new character, and not repeat the performance. She actually captures Ellie really well, bringing some of those strengths with her. So I think I think that's awesome. And it's it's also cool, like you mentioned with Joel. You know, it's in this injured state that we see Joel. And, and who he truly is and why he's still alive. A lot of people are, are fearful of Joel and he has this reputation. And you see, you know, it's not that it hasn't been there, but you get to really see it in this. When he gets hold of those two guys, um, you know, you get to see why why he's the guy that people respect and why he's still alive, why he's able to walk through this apocalypse.
0: Yeah, he's, he's not still here for no reason. You know, it's not luck. Joel is here because he is willing to do whatever he needs to do to another person to stay alive. And that is whether that's threatened to pop their kneecap out which ugh i didn't even i haven't even thought about the fact that my kneecap could have that happen to it until he said that line i was like oh god but you know it's it's very clear watching this scene joel's able to just go blank he's able to completely shut himself off to to feeling to to fear he's able to completely just be like hey look at me right now tell me what i need to know or i am going to brutally kill both of you and then even when he gets the information he needs to know he's not taking any chances, leaving them alive. He's still going to kill them. So I think, yeah, you're right. Seeing here, what Joel is capable of, this is a great scene to just show how violent and how nasty he can be when he, when he needs to be. Um, and in regards to Bella Ramsey, we get some of her, Ayanna Mormont's like screams, you know, those banshee yells that she, she does in game of thrones. Um, it it was right there where I was like, oh, that's right there. I get it there. They saw that in thrones and they were like, oh, we need that for Ellie. And, My favorite line from Ellie in the entire game is, uh, I think David says, what am I going to tell them now? And then she goes, you tell them Ellie. And he says, what? And she goes, you tell them Ellie's the little girl who broke your fucking finger. That line right there is where I was just like, wow, Bella Ramsey is just firing on all cylinders. And I, you know, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, because I've talked about how much I love her performance as Ellie and how much I respect her ferocity in the role. um, I just think here is a great episode to just show how violent and nasty she's capable of being, which is a a big part of her character going forward.
1: Yeah, she did she did a great job, and uh, I'm really really impressed with you know what she's done with the role. When it was first announced that she was uh, she was cast in the show, I, I really wasn't a fan of the idea. I didn't think that she could pull it off and I, I didn't really see it and i think part of it was because you know i'm just a, i'm an ashley johnson loyalist and <sighs> i love her and you know her voice is just so iconic and i'm like make it work make her ellie put her in the people are like you can't do that and i'm like just make it work she has to be <laughs> ellie right but um you know once i realized that's not going to happen and that didn't take very long um you know I, I gave her a fair shake and right away i was like yeah she's she's awesome as ellie she really really got the personality and and who ellie is so i'm uh I'm, I'm liking what she's doing with the role for sure.
0: Yeah, and Ashley Johnson actually is the one who who spoke so vocally for Bella Ramsey when they were looking at all these, at all the different people who had auditioned for the role. I believe I read somewhere that Ashley Johnson was like, "It's her. That is that is Ellie right there." And the fact that you know Bella Ramsey's great in her own regard, but the fact that she's Ashley Johnson approved it, make, it makes it a little bit easier to be like, "All right, this is Ellie."
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. So that's, that's cool.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's fun to hear her talk about it. She's a big fan of Bella and there's some really fun pictures you can see of them together on the set. And she's just so excited to, to be with Bella Ramsey. It's just a very, very sweet thing to see. Um, so this episode in a world full of clickers and other horrors shows that at the end of the day, humans are the most dangerous and scary thing out there. So I'm curious of your thoughts We've spent years kind of criticizing The Walking Dead for just constantly. It's it's called The Walking Dead. It's so, got all these zombies, but it never focuses on them. The Last of Us is a similar thing, where it's like th- it, this is about the people surviving. So, in a in a world where The Walking Dead has spent years driving that idea of people being the scariest thing down each, everyone's throats, do you think The Last of Us successfully? showcases the horrors of humanity without feeling played out or without feeling like a
1: tired concept absolutely yeah the reality is in in my opinion walking dead never did it right um it was their objective and they were trying to show that and there were very few scenes where they they actually did it where it was impactful it's they're just two different animals i mean last of us just it nails it it's the way that they do it it's bang on every time and you don't sit there and roll your eyes when i was watching walking dead you know a lot of times i'm just rolling my eyes and i'm like okay and when when the zombies come into Last of Us, they're they're scary, right? They're they're a different type of, of zombie, different type of predator. With Walking Dead, they're the slow moving, so you need masses of them. You need to be vulnerable in a bad position or in tunnels or darkness or something like that. You know, when you have zombies that behave um, like Black Summer, like just crazy fast zombies, things that come after you like that, it's different. You don't need as many. So you can you can put them in less often and make them terrifying to get the, the people to get the, the humanity being dangerous that's that's a different task that's difficult to do and last of us does it really well that's its biggest its biggest strength i think
0: i agree and you know they've spent a long time saying the last of us is not about the zombies and that is very true it's not but when they're there they're so effective and so scary and i actually think that the the scarcity of them in this universe is almost more scary because you never know when you're going to stumble into them in the walking dead if you go outside, you're guaranteed to run into a couple walkers, right? But here, you go outside and you never know what you're going to find. And that's that's more scary. Are you going to find a, a human who wants to essentially break you down and keep you as like a slave while he eats other people? That's horrifying to me. And I think that's almost more scary than running into this little shambling creature that has no desire other than to kill me, but for no violent reason. You know, zombies, they're they're predatory, but that's because they're predators. They're not... It's not personal. The idea of it being personal is, I think, what makes it so scary, and that's what David is so scary. It's not It's not even that he wants anything to do with Joel. Really, he actually doesn't care about Joel at all in this episode. He just wants Ellie, and that is so creepy to me, and I think that this episode does such a good job showing how evil humans can be in this world, whereas Walking Dead, they, they tried so long to go for that narrative, and they only occasionally got it right, but here they just get it right in one episode.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good point. I mean, with you know, with the zombies in this, they they really don't know what they're doing. They just have their internal instinctual agenda, and they're just out there to, to get people. And with with the humans, they know what they're doing. Yeah, like it's all premeditated. They they know exactly what they're doing. So when their behavior falls in line um, with the evil that is the creatures, then you know it's it's with that intent. And that's I think that's what makes it a little a little scarier and a little more disturbing too. That that's in you know
0: us as a race. Right. And David does do this monologue. And I think this is the moment where I was like, Oh God, this dude is truly twisted. He does this little monologue about how Cordyceps, he respects it. He almost looks up to it and how Cordyceps gave him hope because it's, it's not evil. It just wants to plant its seeds where it can and expand. And that I was like, Oh my God, this dude is, he's a Cordyceps apologist. This guy's crazy.
1: I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That was a really creepy uh, scene. And I mean, it really lets you into his mind of, you know, the way that, what what makes him tick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, one thing that I had talked to you about and that I'm interested, that kind of ties into what we're talking about right now, which is like, in the game, David's stalking Ellie in the restaurant towards the ending of their confrontation after she, she kills James and she gets away and she's in this restaurant. And it, the restaurant actually perfectly recreated here on the show. It looks great. Um, but she's in this restaurant and she's trying to, Get away! And David is is stalking her. And in the game, to me, it's one of the creepiest moments in a video game ever. I've played a lot of survival horror. I've gone up against aliens. I've gone up against everything. And yet, nothing is scarier to me in a survival horror game than when Ellie stabs David and she runs off, and David starts trying to mimic the way that Ellie's behaving. He's he's walking around on his hands and or on like a crouched down on his knees, and he's essentially just trying to get the jump on her he's trying to take away her her sight from her so that he can get up behind her and to me i freeze when i play that moment in the game i still i've played the game four or five times now and every time i have to do that part i'm like where the fuck is david i start panicking um how do you feel about the way that they adapt this here because it it might be the one thing in this episode that did leave a little bit to be desired for me because that moment is just so effectively creepy in the games it's genuinely horrifying and here they just kind of brush over it so i'm curious do you think the show captures that feeling of David stalking Ellie before she gets him? Or do you think it, they could have commit to it a little bit more?
1: No, they totally could have committed a little bit more. It's well, a lot more. I think it's the biggest missed opportunity in the episode um, by a landslide. I mean, that that last scene in the video game, um, you know, it's it's long. So I get that it needed to be cut down. It's not a video game. So, you know, it would be boring if they just took it and translated it into a show. But it was just way too fast in the in the show. They should have needed to be drawn out more. They need to add some suspense. Where is he? And add that thriller stalker kind of element to it. And um, you know, that's that's kind of who he is. I don't think that he he'd want to end it quickly and get in her face. I think at that yeah. point it's it's a game. And especially with going back to what we were talking about about him seeing her the same as him, and and being that strong person. Um, you know, I think he'd want to savor that moment and and draw it out, which he does in the video game. And I think that was a huge missed opportunity that they just kind of ended it so quickly, uh, in in the show. I mean, for me, I love that scene in that, that whole part of the game, Yeah, you know, it was, it was great. And when that happened so quickly, I went, uh, and I don't think you should ever be going "Eh," from a great moment. It should translate to, oh yeah, that was awesome. Right. You know? And I think I think they really missed the mark on that.
0: I do agree. Um, it might be the the one thing from the episode where I was just left a little deflated. And again, I know this is not a video game. We are adapting this to a different medium. There's different things that are required to adapt something to a different medium like this. But I just found myself thinking, I would have loved to have Ellie looking around, unsure where he is. You know, hearing like a glass break near her and knowing that he's he's creeping up on her. And again, would a human being? really behave the way he does in the video game he's a video game character he's almost like a boss fight so i understand removing some of those behaviors but like you said he's he's treasuring this he's soaking it in this isn't a predator versus prey moment for him this is a predator versus a predator and i think that there's a challenge to that to him and something that he wants to savor he wants to drag this moment out he wants to scare her and they do successfully deliver on the the final moment of this where ellie finally gets david but the, the stuff in between there where David's kind of f- tormenting her really, because he's just, he's genuinely just trying to get in her head. Um, I think is one of the most effective parts of that game. Every time I, like I said, every time I replay it, I freeze. I can't even get around the restaurant. I don't even know where to go because I just don't want to alert David to where I am because it's so freaky. And so I wish that they leaned a little bit more into that stalker atmosphere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's a smart guy and he's very perceptive and, and he's calm. And in, in the video game, that's how he's portrayed. You have to really be careful to get the jump on him in order to, to complete the level, you know, to, to, to be able to get him. Yeah. And I think with, with what happens in the show, there, there was none of that. I think, you know, I think they just, they, like I said, they just, they missed the mark. Like, like you were saying, you know, there should have been some of that, that tension. You know, like there's a, where is he? Yeah. You're looking around, where did he go? And then you hear something get knocked off a table whether that's by accident or intentionally, yeah. you know? And um, yeah. So anyway, I'm not going to harp on that. I, I really think that they could have done a lot better with that, but I do agree with you about, um, about the response afterwards, like yeah. her reaction, her performance was just, it was excellent. And that was, that was a saving moment, a saving grace for that. Uh, I think they did that very well, but I think they could have done both very well. Right. They should have, they should have doubled down.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I do agree that that, you know, they do make up for it when Ellie finally gets him. Because in the game, when she finally gets him, she's so messed up from this that she just wants it to be over. Uh, so she hits him about, you know, seven or eight times with a machete, definitely enough to kill someone. Uh, and then she stops. And then Joel comes in and he actually meets her inside of the restaurant and, and then grabs her and, and comforts her. But here in the show, I think that this actual the actual death of David in the show is better than it is in the game where Ellie gets him and she just keeps going. She wails on him about 15 times with that machete and then she stops and she starts crying and then she picks it back up and continues to do it. And I think that that little detail just shows how much David has broken Ellie in this moment, how much he he has ruined her innocence. And that really is what this episode is. It's the death of Ellie's innocence. It's the death of that little kid that we've known all season and her finally realizing what this world takes to survive and what it will do to you and how it will beat you down. But yeah, the way that Bella Ramsey just absolutely wails on him with that machete was, was pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah. And I think that's one of those moments where you get to really see why she's in that role. You know, they didn't just bring her in because she, she looked like Ellie or she sounded like Ellie. Cause that's not really the case. It's, it was for her acting ability and, and that's where you really get to see it. It really shines.
0: Yeah. I used the term earlier in the episode, Banshee screams, but when she's, when she's taking the machete to David's head, uh, just pure Banshee screams. It's just like, so bottled up. It's just, it's so much terror and anger and sadness for what she's had to do. Um, all in one, it's really, really great stuff. I also think it's, it's such a tiny change, but something that I really thought was effective was having Ellie go outside and Joel find her there rather than have Joel enter this restaurant. Because really the restaurant's burning down. And on top of that, it's locked all the doors are locked the reason you can't get out as ellie is because the doors are locked how did joel get in there video game logic they ask you not to think about it but having ellie have to get out of this place before she collapses in the snow and joel finds her it's just little changes that i thought really sold that that scene um i'll go ahead
1: no, I was just gonna. I was to- gonna totally agree with you. It's you know sometimes people don't want changes, um, and for the most part, I think you know if something's successful, you should stick to the material. If you're gonna bring something on and say we're gonna adapt it, try to stay as close to humanly possible as you can to the material that made it what it is. But you know there can't there there has to be some changes, and I think you know some of those small changes, like you just mentioned, I think they can make things better. Yeah. and that that was definitely one of those moments.
0: Yeah, and I I think following David's death this episode gives us the most emotionally impactful Joel and Ellie moment that we've gotten the entire show which is just Ellie sobbing and screaming get off of me because she doesn't even know who it is that's trying to comfort her before Joel says it's okay baby girl Um, I think this moment is the biggest shift for them out of the entire show and it's such a subtle moment that I don't think all viewers will catch how much this channels a change or signals a change in in Joel and Ellie's relationship but uh, what did you make of this scene
1: it's it's exactly like you said. I mean, they've, you know, they've gradually been coming together over the, the last ep- few episodes. And I think this is, you know, just the pinnacle of that. And it's them realizing that they they need each other.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's the moment where Joel finally sees Ellie as his daughter. She's not Cargo anymore. She's not, you know, filling a gap for Sarah or anything. But it's where he finally sees her as her own human. And at the same point in time... finally is like this kid is my responsibility i love this kid and i'm not gonna let anything happen to this kid i think it's the moment where their relationship officially comes full circle it's to the point where he now sees her as his daughter it's not some random girl anymore
1: yeah because if you if you take the way that he was in the beginning with her and the way that he treated her in the first couple of episodes when he had her um it was very different he's very cold could care less what happened so yeah it's you know it it might not seem like a big deal but if you go back and you compare that side by side with with this scene huge difference you can it's a totally different guy like the way he sees her is completely different
0: yeah and you know as i had mentioned a little bit earlier by the time we're recording this we've already seen the finale but um joel and ellie they get up from from the ground and they walk off into the distance and the first thing i thought when this episode ended was the next time we see them things will be very different and by the time you watch episode nine, things are very different. Joel is much more happy. He's much more smiley. He's much more willing to talk and make jokes. And this is just the turning point. It's really where everything comes to a head and he he officially accepts who Ellie is in his life.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into episode nine stuff because I know you've already done that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a perfect lead into that episode.
0: Yeah. Well, we have already talked about it, but since we're done talking about episode eight eight, or we're wrapping up, did you, did you love episode nine as well?
1: I did. I was really nervous because I was looking at the runtime and I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work. Like there's a lot of ground to cover in this. Uh, But, but I ate my words. It was really well done. That's all I'm going to say, but it was, it was really well done.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I feel the same way. Um, So yeah, I guess just, what would what have your thoughts on the first season of the last of us been just going a little bit deeper than this episode any any praises any criticisms that you want to throw out there
1: no i'm I'm not going to nitpick i'm not one of those guys that's going to nitpick on on something for no reason i think if it's really bad or they they totally wrecked it uh then i'll say so but you know i think for fans of fantasy and and sci-fi and all this kind of stuff um to sit there and to, to bash on shows. I mean, these shows were really hard to get historically. Like when I was growing up, they were just, they were terrible if they were even there. This wasn't cool. Right. Right. And, um, so because of that, you you became very protective of them. And, uh, so I'm not that guy that's going to crap on them. Cause I know if I do, um, and I join the masses with it, or I get a following of people that are like, Oh, the shows, it, it's not what I wanted. And I start nitpicking, then they could disappear. And I don't want that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that these shows are here and being made. Um, was it perfect? No, but pretty close. I think they did a really, really good job with it. Um, you know, even still, I see as far back as last year, some adaptations. I'm not going to name names, but you know what I'm talking about, where they did adaptations of novels and um, for no reason just made crazy changes and ruined everything. Like they didn't bring over the feel. Uh, they didn't bring over the feel the emotions of the characters and they were changing plot points. And it's like, why? You just you bought something that has this huge following and you bought it for a reason. Leave it be. And yeah. I think that's really where Last of Us shines. It's it really is this incredible story. And it's it is where it is in pop culture because of how good it is. And they yeah. were really smart to let them do their thing and to bring it over pretty much intact. I mean, there were some changes, but uh they were few and far between. I think what they brought over was, was pretty accurate. Yeah. I think everything
0: that needed to be the same, they keep it the exact same. And then they have some wiggle room, you know, episode three with, uh, with Bill and Frank is genuinely just one of the most moving episodes I've ever seen. And everybody's argument about how is this relevant to the plot? It is the plot, you know, protect what you love. That's what the last of us is about. And that's what episode three is all about. They use Bill and Frank as vessels to show what Joel's story will become. Um, or what could become, you know, and I, I found that to be a very relevant episode despite the fact that it's it's a big deviation from the source material and I guess it, it is notable that with The Last of Us it's so spot on, it's so perfect to what fans loved about it and yet just last year, another Naughty Dog game Uncharted was was done pretty, pretty horribly on, on the big screen and so I think you know, I had some fun with that movie but it's not what I loved about Uncharted since I was 12, 13 years old um, Last of Us is Everything that I've loved about Last of Us Everything that I fell in love with about The Last of Us When I was first playing this story It's all here, it's all perfect uh, Whereas Uncharted, none of it's really there They're trying to do their own thing with that source material And you just lose fans And whether it gets a new fan base or not You've driven away the audience that made that thing what it is And Last of Us doesn't do that They get it so
1: right yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, Uncharted is is amazing in its own right. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's more of a shooter, and I've, I've heard things like that, and it's not as deep as, as Last of Us, but it still has a great story. And Nathan Drake, I mean, you, just, you love that guy. He's just, he's amazing. He's an amazing character, and the interaction between him and his crew are incredible, and that's kind of what makes that game. And it could have been brought over pretty much intact with, with some changes. I mean, obviously, you're shifting mediums, there's going to be changes that have to be made, but they they could have brought it over pretty much intact and i don't think that would turn away anyone i don't think they, they could have gained a new fan base just by bringing it over cuz it would make an incredible action movie yeah. and was the movie okay yeah it was okay it was it was entertaining but it could have been so much more it was yeah. it was really changed and it didn't need to be
0: yeah totally agree so yeah i guess out of out of 5 what would you rate this episode out of
1: 5 pieces of venison i i would rate it four and a half pieces of venison um it could have been one of the perfect episodes but for me i'm gonna go back to that last scene where they really dropped the ball and that probably would have made it a five for me
0: yeah i think i'll I'll also agree i'll give this a four and a half it's a damn great episode of television it's thrilling uh it's energetic it's scary but there were just in that ending there there's a little bit to be desired and maybe that's because i played the game But nevertheless, I do feel like that ending just held me back ever so slightly.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point when you added and you said, because I played the game. I mean, for people that didn't play the game, they wouldn't know what they were missing, so it wouldn't impact them. So they would probably rate it higher. Um, But, you know, for for people that have played the game, I think think from some people that I've talked to, they, they agree that it's a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the guy who plays David in this show I, uh, I I don't have his name right now but he is really good as David he's pretty effectively scary he's got this dead look in his eyes there's one moment where he's staring at Ellie and I got lost in his eyes and it creeped me out I was like oh he's got these creepy eyes I think he really does get right what David as a character from the game is and, and what makes him so scary I just think there's those little moments where I would have liked the, just a tad bit more from him
1: yeah totally agree
0: yeah well, dad, it's been really cool to have you on the podcast and to talk last of us with you. We're going to have to do this again soon about, uh, you know, a new movie or a new show, whatever it is. We'll, we'll pick something in the future here, but, uh, yeah, it's been awesome having you on, on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. You know, it's, uh, it's always great to talk about things that you love and, uh, to get here and, and to chat about this. One of the, one of the better episodes, in my opinion, I think, I agree. you know, I think it was the, the perfect choice for us.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it's such a, a shared love, you know, zombies, you got me into them at such a young age, and so it's a very full circle moment to have you on my my podcast all these years later to talk about a zombie show.
1: Yeah, I, I can't get enough. So you know, it's it's cool that we that we share that, and uh, like I'm still going with it. I'm watching, you know, um, Last of Us, and at the same time, I'm like, oh, look at this! It's it's a Korean show about zombies called Kingdom, and I'm, I've just watched that in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm I'm still I'm still into the zombies,
0: the zombie fever, yeah. And with The yeah. Last of Us, I do get hesitant to call it zombies because it's it's not. It does. It's such a pretentious, annoying to de- debate to be like, well, they're infected. They're not actually zombies. But it's fun. It's easier to lump them all in as one thing. So even though The Last of Us isn't really a zombie show, I think it still counts.
1: Yeah, it's the same behavior. I think that's why people just lump it in and say it's zombies because it's zombie-like behavior. It just follows the norm of, you know, them chasing after people.
0: Yeah. Well everyone thank you for listening Uh, and if you want to check out some of our other episodes including all of our episodes on last of us which is now wrapped up as a season and we we have those final two episodes coming out for you um we're available wherever you get your podcasts we're also on instagram at the dive in movie cast and our individual instagrams i'm at hayden kutras and wesley's is at wesley giffen and it's the same name on our letterboxed. uh until next time then when lost in the darkness look for the light